we're going to talk about the family of God today. And the way I want to do that, this is, this is not so expository, so don't, you're not going to be wowed by my deep thoughts of theology, but there's some conversation points I want to have as this church body, as MCF, Mechanics for Christian Fellowship, as this body who is in the greater church, those who believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, God our Father as Creator, who sent His Son to live and to die and to be resurrected and to go and get ready to come back and take us to be where He is. Amen? So we're going to talk about that, and it's going to be, it's going to be just conversation, but I'm going to give you some pieces and points that God's put on my heart, and it drives right to the point, and you're going to see this, right to the point where Jonathan started it. It's an interesting thing. Um, if you could pull up the first slide there. Can you see that word? It says identity crisis. Jonathan said, anybody here ever think about, what's my purpose in all of this? Like, what am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to be? And I'm like, oh, that's, and Tamara looked at me and she said, did you talk to him? No, <laughs> God did. Um, and then he went on further and talked about some of the depth of what I'm talking about, which did a good thing for me. It gave me confirmation that I'm not just making a stew speech because I asked God to bless us. Say, God, this doesn't seem all that holy, but I want to talk about you and your kingdom and this church body. And I want there to be unity. I want there to be goodness. I want there to be a place of belonging in the body of Christ. Um, let this be about you. So Jonathan gave me a good confirmation this morning that God's okay with where we're going in this. Okay, so don't let me trip over my tongue. If I say something weird, I need that Kathy Troyer look of. <laughs> you all know what I'm talking about. I talk about it often, but she looks at me like, still, you're, you're going off here again. I don't know where you're going. Miller just shakes his head like, Stu. So I'm going to explain some of those issues and, and uh, why I might <laughs> be like that. Go to the next point. So can you see that? Yes, you can. Maybe a little bit. So I sometimes have this identity crisis, and I'd love to start out when I meet someone new. I'm like, you know what one of my favorite bumper stickers are? Some of you have heard this. I saw it one time in a city, and it said, roses are red, violets are blue, I'm schizophrenic, and so am I. <laughs> that, that took me back to years ago when there was a show called Sybil, and it talked about this dissociative disorder that this lady had, multiple personalities, multiple mood swings, things like that. Anybody here ever see that, Sybil? You know, if I called you Sybil, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I have that. Sometimes I'll just switch from mood to another mood or thought to another thought. I'll be rambling and I'll have all those things that makes Mark Miller have a job, you know, as a therapist. I'm sure he has a whole book of me like, Stu, someday we need to sit and talk. But I have to think about what's, what's my identity? And that can be a very deep thing. It can be a very easy thing. Maybe some of you already got it figured out. But I look at the depth of who I am, who God created me to be, how I am physically on this earth. And I, I just have a couple of points up here. So one of those things is I'm a son of Tom and Rose Lillette Jenkins. Consider myself to be multiracial. My dad was a white guy. He looked like Skipper on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> Anybody know Skipper? Yeah, all of you who giggled know Skipper. He did. He's a white guy, heavy, blue eyes, white hair, and he looked like he would chase Gilligan around the island. And he was in the Navy for 20 years. That's another funny part. Um, so he had one of those little hats too. But um, my mom was, uh, she was an islander from deep out in the, in the West Pacific in Marshall Islands um, near Guam and Okinawa. And you go south, you hit New Zealand and all of that. Way out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. But her cultures would have been mixed up in, in uh, island race. And her, her people were from Jalawet and Inuitak and Iding Laplap and Ibon and all of these islands that you'll never hear about in our history books. 
You'll never hear about it. You have to go there to experience it. Aubrey went there a couple years ago, spent a whole summer there, got to experience and taste what that means culturally. So my family's got this very ethnically weird culture, and we, and we love that about ourselves. Nobody else that we know has that. I'm the 11th child, uh, the fifth son, the youngest of, of those. There were 11 of us born in a 15-year period. All of you families who talk about all your differences, well, my middle child is my worst child. Like, how many kids you got? Three. <laughs> That's all you got? Yeah, so we had all those different things. Like, well, he, is, he was the number three son. He was like the seventh or the eighth. What does that mean? I don't know. He's got problems, though. <laughs> Another point of my identity, I am certainly the lesser half of the Tamara and Stu show. I, I will tell you that I married up, and God blessed me in that way, and I just am thankful for that. Because had I married down, me and my wife would have been a mess. But Tamara brought me up a few, a few points, and I, I love her for that. Um, we have no children of our own, but a father figure to some and um, uncle to 120 plus. So recently we've had our counts right around 90 on my side of the family of nephews and nieces. And there are like three that are pregnant, three pregnant right now. So it keeps climbing. So I keep losing count. So I got to go back and find my Excel files and update the sheet. So I have 90 nephews and nieces and um, Tamara's got like 35 on her side. So we play uncle and aunt pretty decently. We try, we try and love them. I have Four nieces and a nephew over here, and oh, those are seven nephews and nieces, eight. Where'd those other three go? Yeah, children's church. <laughs> and I actually know all their names. I was at a function yesterday, and a couple went by. I'm like, I even introduced myself to one of the little kids, and he told me his name. I'm like, oops, that's Rose Keel's son. I introduced myself to a kid I thought wasn't part of the family, and I didn't tell the mom. They would break her heart. Okay, identity crisis, you see, this is how my mind goes. <laughs> I come here on Sunday morning, I come here through the week, and I have another identity inside my church. Inside my church, I have an identity, and I actually, I love this too. Can you for forward two more slides, I think, or two more clicks? It'll say, who is my church? Oh yeah, those, I'll go through both of these at the same time. Who am I connected to? Uh, just me being Stu, the person I just explained. Our families, our neighbors, our friends, and our church. Pretty much like every single one of you. So I'm no different than you. But I have all of these connections, and it's, and it's, and it's bizarre. It's like tentacles going out everywhere. And I, I think that's purposeful. I think that's God. I think we're supposed to be interconnected to all of these places. So if you're just someone who sits inside your home and sits on your porch and does nothing but talk to yourself, you need to get outside more. You need, you need to leave your house, you know? In, in my mind, you can't just sit there and be alone. And there's a whole lot of reasons for that. We can go through those scripturally. But God had planned it. It's not good for man to be alone. So we're going to talk about that non-loneliness here in a few minutes. I want to fast forward to who is in my church connection. I, I wrote down very simple phrases, and hopefully none of these are offensive. I hope you see those as maybe part of who you are. In my church, I have seekers and doubters and wanderers. Anybody here ever go into a church and say, man, I just got questions. I want to know who this God is. I want to know more about who Jesus is. Anybody? Anybody ever seek? Yeah, we all were seekers at some point in time. Anybody ever have a doubt about what you believe in God or about what you believe in your faith? Oh, raise your hands. Come on. Let's be brave. Okay. Yeah. And we also have wanderers. Anybody just wandered through life? Just trying to figure out who the heck am I? What am I doing? Yeah, we have people who just raise their hands that are from probably close to 80 years old. Look, did you raise your hands? Have you wandered? Have you wandered at all? Okay, wandered. 
You know, Luke, Luke has a testimony that, that you need to hear too sometime. That guy's wandered to Africa where God called him to. And then he said, okay, go back to Springfield. Springfield? I don't even like Springfield. But it's a long story of why he's where he's at right now. But wandering. I've got those who are saved. I'm going to give that very simple explanation. To me, saved is that person who said, I do believe that God is my creator, that he sent Jesus as my savior, who died for my sins and rose again, went back to heaven, and that if I would believe in him, I would have everlasting life. I would never die. Even though this body died, I would never die. I'll be with him for eternity. To me, that's saved. It's a very simple, bold understanding of, of who we are when we, when we claim him as our Lord and Savior. Inside our church, we have broken, hurting, and lost people. Even those saved ones can be broken, hurt, hurt and lost. Amen? Anybody here ever been broken even though you were saved? Anybody? Okay. We have the super spiritual. The super spiritual. Sometimes I, when I first was typing this, I was writing, I'm like, that almost sounds sarcastic, but it's really not. I look at somebody who I put at a pedestal of, they really, their heart really wants to serve God. And I put Joey Brown in that category and Alan Kathy Troyer and Mark Miller and Phyllis Miller. And there's people in my life that I put in that category. Tamara Jenkins, they're in my life and I know that their heart is after serving the Lord. And to me, they're super spiritual because man, they just, they're just so dedicated to serving the Lord. We have the obligated. In church, we have those who are obligated. It's like, well, I was a trustee last year. I guess I'll be a trustee this year. You know, I did coffee bar last year. I knew coffee bar. I, I go to church every Sunday because what mom and dad did. Mom and dad did it. It's got to be good for me. And there's this obligation sometimes we have when we go to church. I've been there. I, I haven't been there for a while, I tell you that, because I really enjoy coming to this church. I've been there for several years of my life, even a couple of decades. Like, I really don't want to go to church today. Me and God are good. I don't need to go to church. It's boring. It's this, it's that. Ugh. And I'd gone through those seasons. I haven't been in that kind of season for quite a while, nor has my wife. We've enjoyed, we've enjoyed coming here because the fellowship here is just, it's just different. I digress. There are also those who are hungry and, and just certainly seeking after righteousness, always. So click on that next point. So back to Jonathan's preempting. Why am I here? Why am I even here? What is my purpose here. And that, that can be kind of deep. It, it, we'll try and keep it surface level. Why am I here? Anybody ever try and find yourself? It's not worth the time. It's a very, very weird place for me. Why am I even here on earth? So if you can see in small print, I thought it was larger. It's going to say a reality check. It's not about me. It's actually not about you. It's actually about Jesus and God. Can you pull up that next scripture? Um, yep, that's it. The son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, Jesus, and through him to reconcile himself in all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross that I talked about earlier. So click on the next and the next. Those two points say, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, through him. 
The next part says, all things have been created through him and for him. So if you can take 10 seconds and personalize that and go, oh man, I was created for him. I wasn't just created and then I finally find my way back to him and then I kind of hang around him and I kind of want him. You were created for him. Have you ever personalized that that deeply? When I, when I read that, I'm like, Lord, I've read that before, but never that deeply. You literally created me for you? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I can stand here and attest that I was created for God. We can be done. We can go ahead and open the doors. You guys can go home. Amen? Created for him. We're not going to, though. I've got about an hour. <laughs> All right, next page. Here is a good part, though. You are special, and you were created for him. I just... Um, went through a couple points of scripture that were very quickened to me and things that are very familiar to me, so it wasn't hard to find. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. For you created my inmost being and you knit me together in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. When your eyes saw my unformed body, all the days were ordained for me before uh, were, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And go to the next part, and then I'll cover both of these. Uh, click, click. One more? Okay. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. These are both points of scripture that came out of the Bible, very specific people. I believe it was uh, King David who had written Psalm 139 who had this reckoning about his relationship with God, that he was personally made by God for him um, and written about and known about even before he came in existence. And if you read through those uh, kings and Samuel and that, you'll see that. God was preparing these kings. He was preparing these people already before they even came into power. The part of Jeremiah, he's talking to Jeremiah the prophet, but you can personalize that too because God's not, God's not any different for Jeremiah than he is for you. And Jeremiah, he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I sanctified you. I, I made you available for me. How does he do that before we're born? I thought Tom and Rose had an 11th child by accident. You don't, you don't just go have 11 kids because you can afford it. He was in the Navy. Mom didn't work, and times were tough. You don't just keep having babies. Today, you would call that irresponsible. I don't. I still say, that's, that's not up to you. God had them, had them have 11 kids. Let them have 11 kids. Because those, that 11th child, that 7th child, that first child, God knew them before they were in the womb of those parents. We could probably have a whole theological discussion on this, and we're not going to. If you want to talk to me on the side about it, we can. Um, but I truly believe it's that personal with God. He truly wanted Stu to be on earth to do whatever it is that he's going to do up until the days that he dies, goes to heaven, and continues to do what God's got planned for me to do. Amen? So just insert your own name in that. God's got a plan for a bleh. One of the most famous phrases these days people are passing around, I don't know how personal they take it, is also from Jeremiah 29.11. Did everybody know that one? For I know that I have for you Keep going. <laughs> plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And the second part about that is also powerful that people cut off. Verse 12, it says, then you will come to me. You will know me because you'll come to me and you'll seek me. When you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. Then I will come to you. I will hear your prayers. So God gets, he keeps getting really, really personal. And sometimes we just keep brushing him off. 
We don't realize that we are allowed to have that personal one-on-one relationship with him and with Jesus. And we need to be aware of that. We need to stop being unaware of that. Otherwise, you just go through life and it'll be about you. It'll be about Stu. And that's when you get really unhappy and things are just out of order. It's like, what is wrong with my life? You. I mean, your mindset, your, your heart set, your attitude, your God attitude. Fix those things by, by getting reconnected. So sorry, I'm going to jump around a little bit because there's a, there's a point that I'm uh, heading towards driving home, which is about 27 pages away. <laughs> Teasing. Go to the next page. It says, why am I even here in church? And you can click again. Why am I even here in church? And I'm going to use this church here as MCF, but I want you to think about the broader church. The broader church is the body of Christ, and we're going to get into that. But why am I here at MCF? Click on the next one. I already said that I'm connected to all these people, and then I stopped at my church. Who is my church? Already talked about those of us who are assembled here. And then click again. Sorry, I put a lot of animation here. Individually and corporately, we are encouraged to do what? We're encouraged to learn about God the Father and Jesus our Savior through His written word. It's all available for us. Read it, study it, pray over it. God, direct me where you want in this book that you provided for me with all your truth that I need to know about who you are. He's also planted in your heart. Search your heart deeply. We're also encouraged to worship Him and to surrender every part of life to Him. A whole bunch of sermons this last year has been about that. Just surrender yourself to Him. Sounds easy. I'm not trying to oversimplify it. That thing surrender sends a shockwave to people like America. We don't surrender to anybody. We don't lay down our arms for nothing. Well, you better lay down your arms for that guy. Lay down everything for God. Lay down everything for Jesus. It's, it's a humbling lesson to learn, but it's, it's the best lesson you'll ever learn. Amen? We're also encouraged to live in obedience to his will, not just our will. Our will can take us places we don't want to go, but if your will aligns with his will, you know, default to following his will for you. Even Jesus did that. He's getting ready to go to the cross and all that angst and pain that he took, all the suffering and humiliation and what he knew was going to happen and all the stuff that was going to go on for the next millennia, he wasn't crazy for a moment to go through that. He didn't want to go through that. He said, Father, if it's possible, remove this cup from me, but your will be done, not mine. Because in that, in that moment, probably a fraction of a second for Jesus where it's days for me, in that moment, he had a will that he didn't really want to go through that, but he said, Father, your will be done, not mine. And that's what, we're, that's what we try and encourage each other to do in, the, in this church building and in this church body. And then the next part, the last part of this is to live out his greatest commandment. So try and sum up, try and sum up church and what Jesus would have left us believers to do in this next verse. You want to click on that? You know, I pulled it out, this one out of Mark, the Gospel of Mark. Jesus was being questioned, and all these Jewish leaders and all these teachers and people who were very school, it's like, Jesus, just tell us what's the most famous commandment? What's the best commandment? We've talked about this. If you read about it in Deuteronomy, it was called the Shema, and, and it went like this. Jesus said, okay, the most important one, answered Jesus, is hear this, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, and with, all, with all your mind and with all your strength. That's the most important commandment. And he said, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here it says, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Love God with everything you got. Love people around you with everything you got. 
you'd be done. If everybody would just get that deep in their core, we probably wouldn't have wars like we're having now. We probably wouldn't have people sticking each other up with guns and beating each other up and abusing each other and verbally hurting and emotionally hurting. If we would just get those two things right, the world would be such a better place and it would be closer to what God had patterned us to be. Obviously, that's not happening well. So we have a church. We have a church body. Let's go to the next slide. It says, what's the purpose of the church? So what's the purpose of the church? We come here, you guys come here every week, and Jonathan came up here and said, I don't know what my purpose, sometimes I don't know what my purpose is. I have that same dilemma. I'm glad that God prompted him with that, because again, that confirmation comes. I have that same dilemma. I bet most of you have that same dilemma, but I'm not going to have you raise your hands, because it'd be most of you raising your hands if, I, if I'm right. What's the purpose of the church? First, let's look at big church. The big church is those under the headship of Christ. That's everybody in the world under the headship of Christ. They've claimed him as Savior. They've claimed him as the Son of the Father. And we're in that big church. That, the church has a role to play in the world. You'll hear Pastor Joey talk about a lot. The big church is failing in these places. The little church is failing in these places. So consider us part of the, the big church, but I'm also talking about MCF. Why do you guys come and fill all of these rows and then not the first three rows? <laughs> I never quite understood that, but I'm also not a terrible wallflower, so I can sit anywhere. I can, I'll come up here and sit on the stage if someone wanted to talk from over there. It doesn't bother me. But why do we come to church? Why do we come to this church? Why do I, why do I come and socialize with this person and not that person? A lot, a lot of things run through my mind, even for me. So key purpose that I think a church should do is to function as a family of believers. Now, this is, this is the hope that we get to that point where all of us are believers in Christ and in God, um, as the Father, God the Father and Jesus as the Son, our Savior. But to function as a family of believers. That's why I connect so well with family. I love the thought of family. I love the ideal of family. I love the belonging of a family. I always feel sorry for those who are loners in the world, those who are always by themselves, those who don't. They don't, they don't have anybody else. It always breaks my heart for them. I was like, you don't have anybody? Come to our house. We're having food on Sunday. We won't even notice you. There's like 80 other people there. Come on over. Um, I, I feel bad for those who, who go through life alone. It's just, it just doesn't seem right. But to function as a family, a church family, a godly family of believers. So go to the next point. I've run into a lot of people, and I know you have too. Why do I need to go to church? Can I worship alone? Me and God are good. Can I just worship alone? Can I just do alone? I mean, it's just me and God. I can go on an island and be with God. I have this obsession watching all these Alaska shows. Tamara makes fun of me. I watch all the Alaska shows, and the ones that I like the most are the ones where there's this guy named Jesse and this guy named Ed and this guy named Bill, and they're out in, the, in Alaska, and they're in their own cabin. I just love it here. I love being close to nature, me and my dog or me and the coon, or me and the badgers, me and the fish. And they talk about this. It's weird. It's actually almost a pagan lifestyle. They're worshiping trees, and th they're thanking an animal for their death so that they could eat. And I love you. Thank you for your spirit and for your meat. And I'm like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> but the reason I love it, I, watch, I don't understand these personalities who want to go to a cabin and live by themselves. Most of them don't even have a spouse. They just want to be alone in the middle of the woods where there are grizzly bears. And they go out and they hunt things like possum and muskrat and coon and things like that so they can eat. And then they make pelts and they have all these little pelts with all these little feet. And it's just, it's weird. I'm obsessed with it, okay? Because <laughs> I don't get it. 
I told, I told Jeremiah, I said, even if it were just me and you, there's one couple on there and they love each other dearly and they speak well to each other. Even if it was just me and Tamara, I'd probably go nuts. It would still feel like we are alone. We would be okay. Our marriage would be okay because, well, we'd be the only ones there. But I, it would be so lonely. But I, I watch those because I don't get these guys. But they're so happy or they seem happy. Why did I go there? Don't know. Oh, I know. Why can't it just be me and God? Maybe some of those guys, it's just them and God. God may call some of us to that. He honestly may call some of us to be just that person with God for your life. And there are people in the Bible that you can, that you can pull up and see about that. A widow uh, who prayed at the church until Jesus came. You know, some men who were sent off to do this thing and just with Jesus. Moses was just with Jesus for 40 days, flat on his face. And he did it again because the people were sinning and he just kept begging God for forgiveness. But he loved his time with God, probably scary some of it since he was on his face. But he loved the time with God and God loved his time with him. He said, there's nobody else like Moses. So there are some people who are going to be called to that. I don't think most of us are. I don't know. Um, but why can't I go alone? Go to, the, go to the, my next point where it says there is strength in numbers and put down that scripture, the first one. So as you notice, there's strength in numbers. If you look through the Bible, we just went through a lot of stuff with Moses. Moses went and he got God's favored people, the Israelites, the Jacobites, out of Egypt. And he's taking them across the desert and he's teaching them about God. God's telling Moses everything to say to them and what, to teach them about his laws, his rules, his love, etc. The people kept messing up. That's not, that's not uncommon for even us today. We keep messing up. And you get angry at them. It's like, God was right there. How could you mess up right in front of God? God's right here. How can we mess up in front of God? But surely they saw him far more close proximity. He spoke to them. They said, please don't speak to us. Please speak to Moses. We can't even handle your voice. But in numbers, Moses would call them to repentance. And he'd say, we need to worship. Everybody worship. 1.5 million people down. I, I imagine hundreds of thousands and, and probably, I assume there's like a million and a half people because they said there were 600,000 fighting men. They all have brothers and sisters and moms and dads. So let's say that it was a couple million. I don't know. Easy math. But they, all of them going prostrate before the Lord and worshiping him. Do you think God wouldn't show up in that? You think he would just go, huh, look at all my kids. They're all down. Huh. I think his heart's moved by that when we come together and we do that collectively. You can do that personally. You should do that personally. You better do that personally. God, I give my all to you. Go bow before him either emotionally, spiritually, physically. I've seen some guys come in here and just lay flat on the ground here and they're laying before God and praying out to him. I encourage and, and nudge each of you to do that, each of us to do that. But also as we come together as a body of believers, when it's time to worship God, and some of us are like, you oh, I got a couple texts in, or I want to go get more coffee. I'm guilty of that. I, want, I got this other thing. I get my bladder's full again. And we're just kind of worshiping. We're worshiping well-ish, better, really worshiping. Because Kathy and Bob and Don and these guys are over there, super spirituals. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but collectively, we come before God. I know that blesses his heart. I know that because I can see it in Scripture. Let's talk about... First, let's talk about King David. King David does the same thing. He, you know, he does it. King Solomon does it. They call all the people to worship. Then David told the whole assembly, praise the Lord your God. So they all praise the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed down, prostrating themselves before the Lord and the king. Imagine that point in time in the desert, hundreds of thousands worshiping God at one time. That's never happened again. 
In my knowledge, I don't know of any revival. I don't know of any country. I don't know of any place where the entirety of that place bowed down before God. If, if a great Billy Graham popped back up, or even if Jesus himself came back up and he's on a pulpit, I want the whole nation to bow before me today if he did it from this pulpit. I don't know that it would happen. Not yet. That time's coming. We'll talk about that in a second. But that strength in numbers also comes from that agreement that we have to worship God. That understanding that we're here together to understand who God is. And give me that next scripture, please. Out of Matthew 18, 18 through 20. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosened in heaven. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for it, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them also. Um, I think I have a couple. Nope, I don't have anything inside there. Just leave it set there. Um, the point I want to pull out out of that scripture, I, we can talk about the first part where he says, if two of you agree about anything and you ask for it, I'll give it to you. I don't, I don't want to get into that point of scripture yet. That's a whole nother teaching. You know, name it, claim it, or even, even if the motives are right, you can ask God for these things. He'll deliver them. But the part I want you to look at is it says, um, for where two or three of you gather in my name, there I am with them. So two or, two or more gathering together and agreeing that God is God and Jesus is his son, our savior. Jesus says, I am there with you. I am with them. So we can just have church of two. If you want to stay home and do single church, at least someone else come to church with me so we can worship God together. Because I'd love to have Jesus with me. I love having him with me. I love the knowledge that he says, I'm with you. If two or three of you just gather in my name in agreement about me, I am with you. I'm there. I'm right there. Welcome, Jesus. Now, the, the next part about that gets kind, of, it gets kind of scary because if you guys talk about the end times or anything like that, a time's coming where that choice is going to be made. It's going to be that point where he says in Isaiah, and then again, uh, it's re reworded in Philippians, in Isaiah 43, 45, 23, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue will acknowledge God. Philippians 2.9 says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. At some point in time, there's no choice. I don't care if you're the most atheist person in the world. When that time comes, it's going to be like, you don't have a choice but to be on your knees like, oh God, oh God, you are God. And what's he going to say? Joey's been preaching about it. What's he going to say? Get away from me. I don't even know you. At that point, you will, call, you will call him out. You will be bowing. You'll be like, dear God, uh-uh, too late. I'm not here to talk about that day, but that day is coming, and it's going to come at an hour we don't expect it, but that day is going to come. So we need to, we, the body of believers, need to be actively involved so that we're doing as much as we can so that's not a doomsday for our loved ones, for those that we know, for those that we associate with. All right, next slide. This is a continuation to understand the church is the body of Christ. Why do we come to church? Why do we assemble? Why do we have different people and different functions and different servants and different... The, the church is the body of Christ, and I, I can't explain it any better than um, the Apostle Paul did, but I love how he explained it. If you go ahead and do that first verse out of Corinthians. Just as a body through one has many parts, but it's many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. And even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. 
Go to the next verse. I know there's some animation. Okay. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. You can stop right there for a minute. God placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Right now, he wants Joey Brown to be senior pastor of this church. God went thunk, thunk, and he placed him there. He placed Elder Bob and Elder Eric. He placed Mary Hope as administrator. He placed, um, I'm trying to get names, Raymond as doing, being our network administrator. He, he placed those people. And maybe it came about, it was like, hey, I volunteered to do that. I know how to do that. Why do you think you know how to do that, Raymond? God nudged you one point in time to be able to do those things so that you can serve in a way that he wants you to serve. You can see that in the Bible. There were people that he had prepared to build that temple in so much detail that they're carving out tulips out of gold and they had no idea why they had that, well, those gifts. So God prepared those gifts in them so that they would serve him in the way he wanted. So he placed every part of the body in the place that he wanted it to be. So whenever you think about your own identity, so think about this. Say, God, what did you plan for me? What, what is it that I'm supposed to do? Where am I supposed to be? How do you want me placed? How do I, how do I serve, for lack of a better term? If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. We honestly don't need six Joey Browns, amen? amen. We, don't, we, don't, we don't need six senior pastors. We don't need six guys that have his exact personality. I mean, a lot of stuff would get done. A lot of word would be preached, amen? But that's not how God has that designed. He has that design, so we have this diversity, and that there should be unity in that diversity, that we all get it, that we have this different part to play, but play we should. As are there are many parts. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. I'm going to keep picking on Joey because he's got real thick skin and he and I are brothers. If Joey says, you know, I really don't need an administrative assistant. Well, we saw how that went for a couple years. <laughs> <laughs> Joey, Joey was talking to repairmen and telephone guys and that's like, what? you need to be preparing a sermon, dude. Right? Joey could say, I don't need trustees. Okay, and we'll, we'll have to go back to meeting in the tent because this place is going to fall apart. You know, we can play those games, but all these parts have a, have a different purpose. I think you get my point. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. And the parts that are presentable, they don't need any special treatment. But God has put the body together, together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. You don't want to go too deep into that, but you get it. This body, the church, us, we have a purpose. And we could stop there, and then Joey could speak for 12 weeks on the body having a purpose. I don't think that's where he's going next. God's got another thing for him. But you, could, we can, you can go deep into any one of these, but I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, what I want to do is go next, uh, the next part. How should my church body, how should my church body and family function? Go ahead and hit enter once. Like aliens. Here, a couple giggles. You should all act like aliens. What? <laughs> Show me the scripture for that. Jesus was uh, praying to God in John 17, and he was praying for the disciples, and then he was praying for those who don't yet know him. We weren't born yet. He knew who we were, but we weren't born yet. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be sanctified. 
There's a lot in that little chapter, but I want to I break up a couple parts in there. For they are not of this world any more than I am of the world. So you wonder why uh, people, people of, of Christian faith are getting more and more ridiculed. It's because you're weird. You absolutely are weird and you're going against the grain and you need to stop it. Love is love and you need to stop acting like you got all the answers. This, this is how it's going to be against us. So when you stand for God's truth, all those things that are going wrong in the world, and I don't have to even name them. You can just click them off in your own head. You might even struggle with a couple of them. But where God's truth is, is where you need to stick. If you stand in that and, and you have conversation and you love on people based on what is right and what is wrong, according to scripture, according to God, if you stand in that, in a world that doesn't stand in that, you will be ostracized. In our country, all you are are made fun of. I've been made fun of. I don't care. You're made fun of. You're teased. In other countries, you're jailed. You're tortured. You may even be killed. That Bible talks about that day is coming too. It will be on our soil too. You don't think that that's going to happen here? That's absolutely going to happen here. And we, we, the faithful, need to stand our ground. I don't care if someone has a gun to your head. You need to tell me that you denounce all of your faith. Oh, no. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Boom. I know that's dramatic. I know that's dramatic. But that's how strong our faith needs to be. That's how strong your faith needs to be. My faith needs to be. Not of this world. He said, I'm not praying that you take them out of this world. I love that scripture. It sounds like someone saying, man, he's, he's asking God not to punish us and whip us out of there. God takes people to his kingdom also. So Jesus isn't saying, God, Joey's such a good man. Go ahead and save him. Stick him in heaven. I know he's got stuff to do there. Go ahead and take him now if you would. He's not saying, he's saying you know, I'm not asking you to take him out of the world. I'm asking you to protect him from the evil one. Leave them right where they are. What? That's not nice. That's not fair. You already said the world's pagan and they're not going after you, Lord. They speak to you, but the hearts are so far away from you. Why are you leaving me here? Why do you think he's leaving you here? Anybody? To minister to the others. And I'm not saying that in a vain way. I say that as modestly as I can. If you have the truth planted in your heart about who Christ is and who God is, minister to someone else about that truth. They're dying they're dying on the vine. They are dying and they are destined for hell. And that's a terrible place. We could have a whole sermon on that. And it, maybe throughout the course of the year, you'll hear that in bits and pieces. You don't want that for your loved ones and for those, for those folks that you associate with, for the people you work with, even for the people you don't like. You don't want that for anybody. Or you shouldn't. That last part of that, um, as you sent me to the world, I have sent them into the world. We're going to talk about that right at the end. Go to the next scripture. And just a simple, a simple point from John. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. This comes from Jesus. He's saying, don't, don't love the world. Get your eyes off the world. Yep, I left you in the world. But get your eyes off the world and onto me. So back to my simple point. Live like aliens. If that, if that makes you stick out, so be it. Be okay with, be okay with sticking out. Make sense? All right. I got a couple more things here, and I'm going to try and speed this up. What is the purpose of our church body? Go ahead and put up that first block, please. I'm sorry that you can't, probably can't read those, or can you? In 1 Peter, he says, live godly lives in a pagan society is the capture for that. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war on your soul. Live such good lives 
live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. That's one reason he left you here. You keep serving God in the way that you do. Sometimes even you quiet servants will do that and people will watch. It's like, man, she is so faithful. Why is she so faithful? She really believe that God stuff? They may check you out. The second part. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together. If you just be a loving person, a lot of these things, they come into play. If you're a loving person, you don't think you're going to be kind. You don't think you're going to be humble. You don't think you're going to be gentle and patient. If you put love on, it's going to help guide you through those things. That's how a church is supposed to be, living in unity in those, in those um, traits. Okay, the next scripture. Here again goes back to people are going to watch you. So if it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. That's not a mean statement. Ignor- ignorance means you don't know. There's a lot of people who just don't know God, so they're going to speak ignorantly. They may even offend you. Anybody ever been around someone who takes the Lord's name in vain all the time? Yeah, I pray for them immediately. It's like, oh, don't do that. And then I'll, sometimes I'll bring it up to him and say, you know, he doesn't like that. Doesn't like what? He doesn't like using his name like that. And, and I'll try and explain that in a lo- as loving way as I can. But understand that they don't understand. Does that make sense? They may not understand. So have, have, a, have love take over your conversation. Don't just get offended. Anybody been around someone who drops the F-bomb all the time? Does that make you mad? Well, yeah, it's dirty. It's a dirty word. Same thing. They're ignorant. That's not a bad thing. They just don't know. They don't know how good God is. All right. I don't know where I was going with that. Okay. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves or bond servants or servants. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. Two key parts I pulled out of there. It's God's will that by doing good, you will shut up the ignorant folks. They'll, they'll see there's something deeper there. And the other part I liked out of that is love the family of believers. This is the family of believers. I've seen a love over the, over the family of believers, and we'll talk about that in a second. I'll just talk about that now. So as we, as we, as a church body, become like a larger family, there's all the other stuff comes up. It's not just the happy meeting. Let's go, let's go have potluck together and talk about the Bible we also had stuff like death and, and hurt and pain and, and loss. We have all these things go, that go on. And in this last year, I start just tabulating in my head like, man, what a, one, I see why I, I love this church body. Um, we have great strengths. I'll tell you that right now, a lot of great servants. In, in the course of the last several weeks, we've had people who have just been blessing the Rupert family. Michelle got really broken up in October. People are still serving meals and stopping at the house and loving on them, handing them money under the table, making sure that things are going well in their house because it's, it's very interruptive to your life. There are people here who have lost loved ones, extremely dear loved ones, and you can't even understand what they're going through because you either haven't lost somebody or it's been a long time since you have. But that fresh pain they're still going through Others have been reaching out and loving on them. Some are reaching out and loving. If not, we, we should be. The Zook family yesterday, you know, they were moving from one house to another. Lloyd still has an oxygen mask on. Kata, Kata is like not 47 anymore. She's closer to 50 now. So she asked for help. And the church came in droves. You know, we had two, three, four, and we had like 15 people. We were moving trailer after trailer from a house as big as this room to a house as small as a prayer room. 
And we said, Katie, where are we going to put on this? And Lloyd's like, I don't know. <laughs> but people came through for the Zook family, and it was a blessing. Katie started crying. I said, just stop. But because the, church, the family of God does this kind of stuff, Lloyd gets sick, and he's down in Florida. Yeah, he's out of sight, out of my, nope. Several of you have called on him. You've sent him prayers. You've, you've given notification to him that he's loved, and, and, you're, and you're praying for him and for his healing, and he's healed now. We've had baby showers. We, we just, all of a sudden, some of the ladies get together, we need to have a baby shower, because that's what you do when someone has a baby. So you have baby showers for each other. And the family of God does a lot of those things that people around you are doing, things the pagans do, but that's a good thing that the family of God does. We do that as a community. I bless you in that. I encourage you to continue to do that. Those are good things. You might be newer here. It may be the first time you're here. You might just be one of those people peeking in to see what this church is about, what we're about. And I've got a few slides for you. And sorry if you've been here for a while. Act like you're new, and I'm going to give you information. Okay, next. Um, this should say, how do I connect? How do I connect at this church? All right. Click on the first block. If you're new or if you're shy or whatever, you may have these concerns, and these have come up. I don't know many people here. I don't even know the core beliefs here. Is there a place to connect for me? I have kids. Do they have any connections here? Do I need to become a member here? Go to the next slide, next block. Simple answers. Many of us, still included, can't remember names. So help me. If I, if I come up and say hi to you, and you notice that I call you buddy, or I just stare at you blankly like I can't come up with a name, reintroduce yourself to me. I may even ask you, it's like, I'm sorry. I'm getting better. I used to be so good at names, but I kid you not, I probably met over 6,000 people in my life, and the memory bank's not working like it used to. So I have notes in my phone. Tamara has notes in her, her phone. I have a sheet in my Bible. I write down new names. Bad part is I can't connect them. Like, oh, this is a white person with blonde hair. <laughs> they have a kid. I really do. I try and put, I try and put characteristics on there. I'm like, that's not helping. <laughs> that's not helping. I think I called Mike Funderburg. I think I called you Frank yesterday. I was on the way home. I was like, did I call him Frank? His name's Mike. I know. I think I called him Frank. I'm like, I know he's Mike. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not the only one who does that, but help us out. Core beliefs, those, are, those will be taught through the sermons. You'll hear them, but that's over a long period of time. So if you pop in, pop out, we'll talk about that here in a second. Connections can happen through Sunday services, these inside services that we do for each other. We have these community events, like I'm talking about Seeds of Grace, Embrace Grace, um, harvest festivals, things like that. A lot of you get involved in that. Some of you are even wallflowers. You're like, I'll come to that. I'll serve popcorn. And you end up meeting and talking to 100 people. And it's a blessing. We have outreach missions. We have small groups. There are some ladies who meet together. There are some guys that meet together. There's a man-up group that Pastor Joey leads. There's, there's all kinds of groups. And we'll post them. And I'll show you where you can find them here in a second. But there's places to connect. So if you feel like you haven't, please see me, Pastor Joey, or some of the elders or deacons. Staff, we'll, we'll direct you on someone to talk to to get you connected. We don't want you to come here and feel like you're not part or that you can't connect or no one's invited you. Please be bolder and say, hey, can I connect somehow here? And just talk to us for a few minutes and we can certainly help in that. And then about membership. You know, when I came here, I literally signed a membership card. And I, I think I have it somewhere. It says, I'm a member of MCF, and here are my commitments to MCF. I'm going to serve in the body. I'm going to tithe to the church because I believe that in Scripture that's, that that's biblical. I'm going to uh, attend church regularly. And it wasn't to push a nudge. It's just, I wanted that belonging. 
I left the church that I was at for 20 years. And I wanted that same kind of belonging. And so I signed myself up. Like, well, yeah, I'm up for that. We haven't done that for years. And, and it's not something we need to get hung up on. Those who are coming here, you're in the body of Christ. Come here and feel welcome. But we want to get to that point where we have this unity, this strong unity. So it's not like, well, they've been coming here for a year, but they're not really members. There, there's not even identity for that anymore. So don't, don't get hung up on that. But if you're in the family of God, we want you to know that and to feel that and to have that, that sense that you are into something that's bigger than yourself and bigger than us. It's us coming collectively and, and being before God. Um, there are places you can find information. Go and click on this next slide, please. Or this next point. Yeah, so we, we have a website, and it's starting to get maintained again, and there's a few of us in here that are trying to get information out there, but it's got a lot of very basic and core information and people in there that you can find information out. If you've never been on there, um, you, we can have it posted out there, but it's uh, mcf-onlineworship.com. But if you go in there, this screen pops up. Click on the next. And in there, you can click, and there's a really small area up there that says start here. Go to the next screen. You can find things in there that'll talk about our core beliefs and it's going to talk about our vision and things like that. And I actually encourage you to do that. I encourage all of you to have done that and said, oh, this is what we're about here. Um, but you'll, you'll go through and you'll see where we are, what, what our belief system is, where we are with Christ. Um, next slide, please. We have staff. If these guys look familiar to you, they're posted around the room and you'll, you'll understand. We don't have pictures out in the hallway. That's one of those things, again, if you were to have me write it down, I'd say, okay, Mary Hope, white girl, black hair, wears glasses, big husband. You know, so I would, I would have these identifiers and then you would try and go and find them. It's like, okay, big husbands, I'll go to them first. Um, but we probably need to post some pictures so you guys at least know who you can ask if you, if you don't know who to go to. But just do this for conversation's sake. Okay, those of you who are at home, if you're online watching, God bless you. We do have a website and uh, I've used these when I've traveled. Tamara and I, when we do vacation and even when I was traveling for work, that was my, it was my connection to my home family, my church family. And I was pretty faithful about going online and watching church. church. Um, so we do have an online set for that. If you're not able or if you're just a little bit nervous, but if you are able and willing and healthy enough, we encourage you to really get off your couch um, get in your car, come to church. If you need picked up, call one of us. We'll bring you. We have a van sitting out there. It's waiting for 11 people to pile up in and come to church. Um, we can pick you up. But we encourage you to come so that all these things that I'm talking about, all this connectivity, all this family connection uh, in the body and the family of God, um, you, can, you can get physically connected there. Um, go ahead. That's the Facebook posting. You'll see there's events on there too. Those aren't quite updated, but uh, we're working through some of these issues. Next page. These are just communication tools. Um, go ahead, click. We have, we have, email, we have email sites. Um, and on that, you can send me a prayer request. I can send that to the whole church. Or if you have something that's going on, it's like, hey, there's an event going on down in Springfield. I'll, I'll send those out or one of the staff will send those out. We also have a oh, mobile app called Remind. If you have a smartphone or even if it's not a smartphone, I think you can get the text. But if you, if you would click on the next if you would type in your phone that point, if you text it to this number 81010 and type in the message at MCF Church, it'll prompt us to send you information that can make your phone be available for messages that we send out. You may get tired of them. I send out a bunch this month, and I'm sorry if you're one of those people that get tired of all those messages. You're also welcome to disconnect from that. 
but it's prayer requests and it's updates about what's going on at the church, um, reminders for something that's going on. Next. Other communication tools. We have event posters. Pastor Joey and, and uh, Mary Hope have been starting to put posters up and they're talking about the events over the next couple of weeks. And they're, you'll see them above the hand washing station, sometimes in the bathrooms, sometimes posted around the church. We have a monitor out in the commons that's running announcements about the church or activities that are going on. Um, check those out. We don't have bulletins currently. Some people miss those because they grew up with those. If we can not go back to those, it would be great. We may. We're still talking about it. But we have so much information out there. If, if you can grab those, um, those would work. Next. This is another one of those points of identity crisis. And this is one thing that sparked some of this conversation with me. We have a directory. We'd love to have everybody in that directory and have your numbers and emails so that as a family, we can contact each other. If you're newer, if you're still checking us out, if you've just popped in one time, you don't, you don't have to give us anything for that. But if you want to become part of this MCF family and you want to have that connection, we have a directory. And I'm struggling to go and make more copies of it because there are people in there who left four or five years ago. They're attending somewhere else or they left the state, um, but they may still feel part of this church. There are people on there who have been coming here for a couple of years and they're not in that book. And every time they look at it, it's like, oh, my family's not in here. And we don't want that. We don't want that sense of, I don't even belong because I'm not even in a directory. Well, you probably weren't here the day we took pictures and no one probably ever gave you a card. So it's on me to try and get some of those things organized so that we can have that connection to each other. Someone says, hey, I, that Luke guy, I, I need to get a hold of him. You go to a directory and you can find his number. Luke's fully available. You can go there and find my number. I'm fully available. Call me, text me, whatever. And uh, we can hook up or we can talk or whatever's on your heart. We can go through that. All right. Where are we for time? Oh, my. I'm going to finish up here. Oh, that's my last page. You guys are all lucky. Last page, please. Okay. Newer, not newer. I want to, I want to reiterate MCF's vision and what our promptings are, what our encouragement is from the leadership team and even those in the body who are already active um, in, in really good ways. If you look at the vision, go ahead and click that up. The MCF vision, very simply put, is to lead, equip, and send a community of hope-filled believers in Jesus Christ who genuinely experience the reality of being known by God, who believe God's word, engage in making disciples, and transform the world through the partnership of the Holy Spirit. It seems like a long sentence, but if you, if you look at it in its simplicity... It's, it's a bunch of people who are not perfect, only Jesus is perfect, but we love him, we know him, we want to help everybody else to go out and be able to boldly talk about him, point people towards him, and do that with the Holy Spirit's helping. The Holy Spirit said he'll be with you. Okay, simple. Next part. Again, this, you can find these online, I'm not going to quote them all to you, but two points that I do want, go ahead and click where those two yellow lines pop up. These are things that we understand about a church and where the leadership is, is trying to keep our focus. But points three and four says, we have a desire to have authentic engagement with one another. Jesus knew his disciples very personally. And number four, we invite people to participate no matter where they come from. Jesus often seemed to invite the unqualified or the diverse or, the, or the, sometimes the wacky ones. We have wacky ones. I am a wacky one. Mark, quit, quit agreeing with me from there. <laughs> okay, last part, encouragement from MCF leadership. This is, this is where 
this is where and why the, the, the teaching that I want to do today comes from. It's just been my heart's cry. And we've been talking about it a lot in elder council and, and deacon and staff meetings and that. It's like, how do we get the church built up for unity? How do we, how do we get back to where we're, we're acting like a, like a very healthy family of God? Not that we're not totally, but there are so much more we can do. There's a whole bunch we should be doing to let the world know who Jesus is. But here's the encouragement. Continue or begin to be an active participant in church life. If you've never done that, get brave. Through prayer, worship services, community groups, outreach missions, and the events that I mentioned. Note that while it's important for us to be fed spiritually, I think everybody comes to church to be fed spiritually. You want to hear about God. You want to have a personal relationship. You want to know more about him. It doesn't just end there. And then go back to the parts of the body. He has something for you to do. He has a purpose that he created you. It's not to sit there and get comfortable and say, that was a good sermon, Pastor Joey, or that was a bad sermon, Pastor Stu. It's not there for you to sit and be fed and then judge and then go home and eat potato salad. There's a whole larger purpose as to why we gather together. Amen? Okay. Um, it's also paramount we breathe life into other friends, family, and strangers. Many, it's getting to be a point where most don't even know Jesus yet. They're going to get introduced to him by you, I hope. By me, I hope. Then look at Hebrews. Probably the Apostle Paul wrote Hebrews. There's still an argument about that. But he says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how may we spur one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Those, that day, that day of the Lord is approaching. It is approaching closer today than it was yesterday. I can't tell you what day it's going to be, but I can tell you it's closer. But he says, not giving up on meeting together. Don't give up on meeting together. COVID did a terrible thing to the church. You know, some churches are still struggling to get people back into, their, into the pews. And no one's really sure why. You know, why, why is our church still down? We're still down quite a bit. We don't care. We're not looking at numbers. We're looking at those who have a heart to serve the Lord. But you wonder, what, what happened to the ones? Where'd they go? Some are online. They got comfortable with being at home, just like remote workers. Jonathan Pack's doing a lot of that. Um, some got comfortable being online. You can, you can do that electronically. Um, some just said, you know what? That was a neat thing for 20 years. I think I'll stop doing church. And there's a real sadness in there for me, and I explained all the reasons why, but there's a real sadness in there. Don't give up meeting together. And the last part, join us in this. Join us in the very simple thing that Jesus talked about. You know, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, you'll see that this is where Jesus is talking to the disciples. He's teaching them. And he's getting ready to pop off the earth again. Um, and he gets ready and he says, he came to them. And the, in between it says that even some were still doubting, what, knuckleheads. But he came to them and he said, all, for, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's a, that's a very bold statement. By the way, guys, I am it. I am the dude. I'm the boss. I am the savior. I am the Messiah, Period. But he goes on, he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That means all neighbors, all family, all friends, all new acquaintances. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them everything that I've taught you. If God's put a lot of teaching you, teach others what he's taught you. To obey everything that I've commanded. And surely I am with you always until the end of the age. Join us, in, join us in that commission. I'm not saying you're not there. What I, want, what I want to do, what I want to do from today, the only takeaway I want you to have is be encouraged to live in a family of God, to have a belonging in a place that 
we can agree that God is God. He's the great creator. His son, Jesus, that he sent as our savior who died for us, that if we believe in him, we're with him forever. That he doesn't want any to perish. He wants all to come to the knowledge of him. At some point, some day is coming when every knee is going to bow anyways, period. I just hope it's a bowing that they're already in his kingdom. So encourage you to be a part of that. Be a bigger part. Don't just be, don't just be a shower upper. Don't just be a check mark on obligation. Be someone who joins in the body of Christ and does the will that he put on you. He put a purpose on you. He put will in you. He put his thoughts in his heart. He put his everything into you so that if your motives weighed by him are good, he will send you to where he wants you to go. Some of you might go down to Luke's thing and just be truly inspired by it. You may stay there for several months because God's given you a talent for plumbing. That guy needs plumber. He needs a roofer. He needs a roofer real bad. You know what happened this week? He had, he had shingles donated to him from World Vision, which, whom he's a partner of, which is a godsend. And he had it there for a couple weeks waiting for some time. Luke's a construction guy. And so is his brother. And, and there's a handful of people who are wrapped around them. Well, the shingles sat there so long, somebody thought they should just steal them. So he's got a picture of a guy coming up and he pulled up to his roofing shingles, threw him in his truck and took off. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's knuckleheaded. And I always say that because he needs these people in that ministry so that things can get done. If tools sit around or materials sit around, people steal them. I don't get it. I don't get it. It made me angry. But the point is, you may touch one of those ministries and you'll find your purpose. You'll be like, oh, God, he must have had me, he must have had me be a plumber for this reason. I don't know. Maybe for a day such as this. I'm doing something to serve the Lord in a really neat way I never even thought about. That's all I wanted. I want to encourage you today. I want you to think about it. I want you to be part of a bigger family of God. I want you to have a belonging. And I want you to feel encouraged to go out and do his will that he's planted deep in you somewhere. He's planted in you. He's put it in you. He's given you everything that you're going to need. He's given you every word you're going to need. The Holy Spirit will even lead you in that. So if you start stumbling on yourself, he's going to give you the words. He tells you that. Amen? All right, there's not a real good way to close this, so I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes. We're going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church family. I love this place. I love these people. I love your purpose here. And Lord, even as I, as I think about myself and trying to discover what it is you would have me do from day to day, keep revealing that to me, Lord. Keep nudging me. Keep getting me off the couch to do the things that you would have me do, Lord, that you created me to do. I pray that for my brethren here too, Lord. Those online, those in the seats, those who aren't even here today, Lord, I pray that you make that very clear to us what your purpose is that you've planted deep within us and that our hearts would be prostrate before you, Lord, that we would bow down before you and we would do that individually and we would do that corporately, Lord, and agreeing that you are a great God. There's no one like you, Lord. There is no other God. Jesus, you are a great Savior. You are the Messiah. There's no one else we need to be waiting for. You are the one who came and you died and you rose up that if we believe in you, we have you forever and we are with you forever in eternity. Bless us in that. Guide us, Lord, as we leave this place and go home to our families. May we, have, may we have your light shine through us so that we stop the foolish talk of ignorant people, Lord, that they see that there's a goodness that we're seeking. There's a righteousness that we hunger after that must be something bigger than what they know and what they've experienced. And may they be led to you, Jesus, because of that and because of our actions and because of our words, because of our love. We pray all these things and we lay that before you and I thank you. You're such a wonderful God. Jesus, you're such a wonderful Savior. And it's in your precious name I pray. Amen.